0: Hello, Texans. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the weekend. Great to have you with us as we talk Combine once again. This is kind of our final Combine show, but Monday we'll have plenty of Combine content to sink our teeth into again. And Johnny Harris will evaluate the entirety of the workouts seen over the course of the weekend. Plenty of the measurables delivered this weekend, but you still have pro days to come. And of course, the most important thing is film evaluation. But many guests on the show today including but not limited to Nick Casario we caught up with him the other day but Drew Doherty visits with him on the interview process Andrew Siciliano also will join us from NFL Network you know his work once upon a time filled it on the Rome show an awful lot but he's been on NFL Network for years Shireen Williams from Pro Football Talk worked with John McLean here at the Combine for many years but Shireen is awesome we're going to hear from her out of the shoot. And also, well, after our Nick Casario interview, I want to be specific about this. Jeff Joniak, voice of the Bears, if we have time, we'll have him on as well. Because the Bears are on the Texans' schedule. And there's a lot going on with them having the number one pick in this draft. Let's get to it here. Drew visits, a brief visit off to the side with Nick Casario on the interview process.
1: Nick, the combine interview. How important process is it for you, what you do as, uh, as general manager, executive vice president?
2: Yeah, sure. It's, it's a huge part of what we do. And the number of players that you can actually interview, interview has been reduced by uh, 50, used to be 60, and now it's 45. So really what you're trying to do is just kind of get initial interaction with the player say so there's a number of players that our staff has visited with at the all-star game so this is an opportunity for myself or D'Amico or some of the coaches to really get a chance to meet the player but we try to make it conversational and really just kind of get some familiarity and understanding of their story to some degree understanding that we're likely going to visit with these players um, at a future point throughout the course of spring as well but it's a great starting point. You learn a lot, even in a short period of time, about the player's history, their experience, some of the things that they've had to endure. It's really eye-opening and honestly inspiring in some respects.
1: Yeah, you've talked about that. You've also talked about how first impressions, very, very important, but you don't want to base everything off of a first impression because, hey, sometimes we're having a bad day, etc., etc. Piece of the pie, when you're picking a player on draft night or on draft day when it's Saturday, how big a piece of the pie is that interview?
2: Yeah, we'll have our interview notes so we'll go back and by the end of the process we'll have the evaluation, we'll have a number of write-ups from our scouts, you could have six or seven evaluations of the player on the field. We'll have the interview notes from the senior bowl, we'll have the interview notes from the combine, and you're just looking for consistency at kind of every step of the way. So you certainly use it as a reference point, it's a data point, it's a tool, and maybe there's something that they indicate in the interview that pops up and it kind of gives you a picture of who they are. So. Everything that we're using is certainly going to come into play here at some point.
1: You learn quite a bit, but I imagine you feel pretty well armed when you enter the interview process because of the stuff that Tom Hayden, your scouts, everyone else has contributed. What what sort of collaboration do those guys have with you when it comes just to the interview alone?
2: It's, It's huge. We talk about who we're going to interview, what we're going to talk about, what are some of the emphasis points, there's a lot of dialogue, a lot of communication from call it January, February up until this point, but can't say enough about the work that Tom Lip, the college scouting staff do to prepare you know, for this day and for this week. So I'm certainly appreciative of their efforts and glad they're on our team.
1: Talking with Texans GM Nick Casario at the Combine in Indianapolis. Nick, do guys ever leave a room and you sort of look at everyone around you, you raise your eyes? <laughs> yes. In a good or bad way?
2: Both. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. So Sometimes... Player walks out, and you kind of say, Well, it's probably similar to how we thought it was going to go, or you know what? It's kind of interesting. Maybe the picture that was painted a little bit different than kind of what we saw. So, before you go back to the drawing board a little bit, and like I said, like you just mentioned, not necessarily jump to a conclusion, you want to try to be fair and open minded. And then, in the end, just what do we have with the player? What do we think we have? And then try to project that into our building and how he's going to fit.
1: Do you have? A question that you ask every single guy, no matter what, that's kind of off the beaten path? Uh,
2: yes. Yes. Um, everybody kind of has their own little niche, and you're just, you want to ask the same question to right. see how they respond to it. So the answer is yes. So I, there's.
1: Secretive or? Eh, not
2: necessarily, but, you know, we'll just kind of keep it under wraps for now.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. <The> last <laughs> thing, you're interviewing Player X, but how often do you? maybe ask a question about player Y, player Z, player Q?
2: All the time, often. I mean, who knows another player or teammate better than that individual? They're going to know him better than than we do. So any information is useful, any information is beneficial. could be even they're working out with a certain group of players during their preparation for the combine. You're just trying to get a perspective that's maybe different than what you have or what you might know. But... Absolutely. We ask players about other players all the time because nobody knows their teammates better than, than they do.
1: Nick Casario, happy interviewing best of luck. Thanks, Drew. All
0: right, there's Drew with Nick Casario. Now, Shereen Williams, ProFootballTalk.com or ProFootballTalk on Twitter, however you want to describe it. Covered the Cowboys for many years, but she covers the entire league now and very much into the AFC South, as she will tell you as we visited with her. Shereen Williams joining us at the Combine Radio Row. How's it going, Shireen?
3: It's going great. Thanks for having me on. I'm sorry John (laughs) McLean isn't here to (laughs) say hello. (laughs) Me too.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, as you know, he's uh, no longer with the Chronicle, no longer with Sports Radio 610, but he does write for the HoustonTexans.com website. Yeah, that's exciting. He's got a piece up right now. It's very nice.
3: Yeah, it's exciting to have him doing some stuff for you guys so that's that's great
0: what does it mean to you peter king retiring yeah. after 40 plus years in the business
3: yeah, yeah co-worker for me over the last several years and uh he's just been such a good mentor like john has to so many young writers and he's always been so good to me but uh just a legend you know we were talking about at dinner the first night with the nbc crew like you know, replace peter king like and what he does like it's just it's something that was Peter King's and there's nobody else that can do that. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think Mondays aren't going to be the same uh, during football season when you yep. don't have Peter King to go to and read.
4: Shereen, you're you're probably that person for a lot of people out there as well. You know, a lot of people look at Peter King. You're probably that person for a lot. Of people. You've done a lot of different things throughout your career. What you're doing now, covering the league as a whole, as opposed to maybe being one location covering one team. How's it kind of been the last few years? Uh, with with Mike with Pro Football Talk with NBC, what's that kind of been like for you? Well,
3: it's different, obviously covering 32 teams now. I do go to a lot of Cowboys home games, but yep. I'm not there on a daily basis, mm-hmm. and all that. And uh, I was just doing something with the Colts a minute ago and telling them that the, I probably know the NFC I mean the AFC South better than anything else other than the Cowboys, simply because that's kind of gotten to be my division uh, to monitor and and do the game. I saw all I had. All the Texans games this year except the Jets game. Yeah. Well, um, well, and I did anything. watch that one. Well, yeah, yeah, it was a terrible game. Yeah. Uh, but I did watch that one. So, I, you know, I saw every game they played. They, were, I thought they were the most exciting team in football this year. Mm. Um, they excited me the most. I thought C. J. Str- I had C.J. Stroud fifth on my MVP vote. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was – played an MVP caliber and if you start naming the top five quarterbacks in football I think CJ Stroud's there so back to your original question it's it's different covering the entire league and trying to stay uh, abreast of everything going on because there is so much going on yep. in this league and you know I laugh when people say what do you do in the offseason because there is no <laughs> offseason I mean yeah. we're here what are we talking about yeah. we're talking about football and and the season is a long way away
0: Shereen Williams joining us ProFootballtalk.com, PFT however you want to define it various platforms So you're talking about C.J. Stroud. What about the Texans moving into the future? Year two in this regime with D'Amico Ryan's running the show, C.J., and they have a lot of needs as well because a 30-plus free agent situation going into the league year.
3: Well, nobody, and including the Texans, expected them to have the season that they had this year, and... so a lot of those guys were supposed to be bridge guys and you know they signed a lot of those guys to one-year contracts thinking they were in rebuild mode and all of a sudden the rebuild is a little quicker than they thought so you know I would expect some of those guys to be back and I would think that they would want to be back to play with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this will be a key year for him uh I sophomore year is always key Mm -hmm. are you going to rest on your laurels and listen to all the pats on the back and you know not he doesn't seem like the type that's going to do that but you've got to get to work and pretend that none of that happened last year and it's a new season and and, uh, one GM from another team told me this really he's he's got to show it this off season that he can do this repeatedly and it's not a one-time deal and And I agree with that. You know, he's really got to work hard this this offseason. But, you know, I think players are going to want to play in Houston because of C.J. Stroud, especially offensive players. But they see what the Texans did in one year under D'Amico and one year with C.J. as their quarterback. And I just think it's going to be a place that free agents are going to want to go. And it's going to be up to – the Texans to decide who fits them best because I I think they're going to have their pick of free agents, whoever they would want. I think it's going to want to come to Houston.
4: Shereen, because of the way things worked out in week 18, instead of going to Philadelphia or to Washington, we will go to Arlington to take on the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm going to ask this as delicately as I can. What in the heck is going on with the Cowboys?
3: (laughs) It's a great question. Um, They've got a lot going on, and I think there's some – internal strife there with um, the coaching staff obviously and Mike McCarthy being in his last season and you know some of these assistants being in their last year of their contract and not looking to extend but this is what Jerry does and when you sign up to play for the Cowboys you have to know that going in the last coach that Jerry Jones has fired at the end of the season so he had to pay off his contract was Dave Campo fired mm-hmm. Wade Phillips in the middle of a season but obviously Jason Garrett stepped in and ended up being the full-time head coach and replaced that and then Jason went on two Lame duck years. The first time he won 12 games and ended up getting an extension. The second time, when that contract ran out, the Cowboys moved on from it. That's what's going to happen with Mike McCarthy. The Cowboys have put this pressure on him. Either you're going to take a next step and we're going to extend that contract or give you a new contract, or you're not going to do anything different than what you've done your time here and we're going to move on and find a new head coach. And he knows that. And um, the assistant coaches know that and everybody knows that. And then internally with the count, cal- what are they going to do with Dak Prescott's contract at 59.4 million oh. cap hit. And guess what? If they don't extend that, um, they can get cap relief for this year, but then they take on a $55 million dead cap hit whether they plays the Cowboys or not next year. They've got $55 million tied up in him. If they don't extend that contract this year, he's got him over a barrel. So when Jerry Jones says he's all in on the Cowboys, there's no all in. They don't have the money to go all in, having to re-sign Dak Prescott, presumably. I don't know how that's going to work out, but CeeDee Lamb and Micah Parsons. They're in a pickle. I'm just saying they are Ooh. in a huge pickle right now, uh, and I don't know how they get out of that, and I don't know what they do and what the long-term future of that team is.
0: When people ask you, why haven't they been able to advance past the divisional round since the mid '90s? Yeah. What is your answer? Because it's different coaching staffs, different quarterbacks, different yeah. situations. Is there one thing, or is it just one of those things?
3: Well, the only thing that's been common is Jerry Jones as, as, per, and I love Jerry, but mm-hmm. it, it's the one common. If you ask what the one commonality is, it's Jerry Jones as GM from 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 the time Jimmy left in, before the the 1994 season to now has been Jerry Jones. Mm. Uh, and they won one championship in that time with Jerry Jones as GM instead of Jimmy Johnson. So, you know, I, I, they've drafted really well. And when you talk about Mike Parsons, and CeeDee Lamb and Tyron Smith and Tyler Smith and some of the key players that they have, but they haven't been over, been able to get over that hump. And you're right, it's been different things for different reasons at different times in different seasons. So, I, I, again, I have no idea what their future is. I, if I start looking at right now at a team I'm going to pick in the NFC, it's not going to be the Cowboys. Again, it's not going to be the Cowboys. And mm-hmm. I, most seasons since 1995, I think you would say that.
4: It's like that allergy ended up going up to Philadelphia in December, <laughs> and, and yeah. the Eagles got struck with it as well. They did. Because we could ask this, the question, and I got a friend of mine, I, I said to him, I didn't know how else to say it, but, like, what happened? And it's, I mean, you get kind of the whole download, but do you think Philly is a team that can get it turned around? Like, just that division in itself. Boy. You know, the Giants had struggles yeah. last year. Washington, of course, was changing coaches and going through an ownership change and all that. It feels like that division's all over the map, Shereen. How do you kind of look well, at what the Cowboys have with them?
3: And you look at 11 games in last season, the Eagles were sitting there at 10-1 and yeah. one and whatever the Cowboys were, but they had a good record, and you're thinking, man, that's two of the best teams, probably the two best teams in the NFC. Put the 49ers in there a little bit, too, but – that's two of the better, and yeah. Detroit, but that's two of the better teams. And they, they Both those teams have a chance to go and play in the Super Bowl, and then it just didn't work out for either one of them. Um, and and so, yeah, I think uh, it, it's kind of a disarray right now. I, I really like what Washington's done and where they are and the fact that they have s- roughly $70 million to spend in free agency. They have obviously the number two draft pick that they can draft a quarterback, I and I – you know, I, I like Cliff Kingsbury as the offensive coordinator. I really like what they've done. Adam Peters, I think, is fantastic as GM. I like what they've done this offseason. I think they have a chance maybe to, if they pick the right quarterback um, to, to, to go and do some, not necessarily this year, but to kind of take over that division, as it were, uh, in the future. Yep. I really like where they are with, with the money, with the capital that they have, uh, and with the draft picks that they have.
0: Shereen Williams of PFT, one more for you. AFC South, you mentioned it. You spent a lot of time with this division. Bigger threat to the Texans to repeat as division champions. Is it the Colts or the Jaguars? I'm assuming it's not the Titans.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Oh, that's a tough one. You know, I think think I'm going to go with the Colts. Um, I like what Anthony Richardson showed the first four games, mm-hmm. but it, the fact that he couldn't stay healthy yep. is a huge concern for them. Every single game he got nicked up with something and then obviously ended up ending the season. But I thought he showed some good things. I think they have some good parts in place. Um, I'll go with the Colts. I, I don't know what Trevor Lawrence is. I, you know I, I think C.J. Stroud is the best quarterback in the division already. And Trevor Lawrence was the number one overall draft pick, and I just don't think he's yet lived up to that. And Willie, some guys are later developing, and and he has taken some steps, but is he going to take that next step? I don't know. We haven't seen it. So I think the jury's still out there. They've got to have him take that next step in order for the Jaguars to do what they thought they were going to do when they drafted him number one overall.
4: You know, the movie Toy Story, the screams fed the energy you know, yeah. the screams from the kids, so the no, that monsters. Was, that every, was Monsters, Inc. Uh, monsters, Inc. Uh, monsters, Inc. Not so sorry. Monsters, Inc. Every time that somebody sits down, Shereen, and says something kind of questionable about Trevor Lawrence, oh, yeah. I think it feeds the energy feeds of the voice, Mark Vandermeer, because he was always <laughs> the one saying, hold on, everybody. Yeah. We yeah. Had, Andre and I were trying to put him yeah. in the Hall of Fame right away, which leads me to this. But I'll ask you this for that last one real fast. Andre Johnson he gets in the Hall of Fame yeah. as the first Texan. Um, obviously, for a lot of you know Cowboys fans, they have a guy going in every year it seems. But this is the first one for the yeah. Texans. Just your thoughts on on Andre and, and going into the Hall of Fame and being the first of that franchise to go I in. I
3: think it's fantastic. Now I grew up in Beaumont, so I you know grew up right there by Houston, and, and uh, I saw almost every game that Andre played. And John did, McLean did a great job presenting him, and I spoke up uh, about Andre too, just the fact that he doesn't didn't play with great quarterbacks. let's face it matt schaub was best made made a pro bowl okay he wasn't peyton manning right which is what those receivers had you know he wasn't kerr warner Mm -hmm. which is what those receivers had he only had one 1,000 yard receiver across from him one year and that was deandre hopkins um so you know i just think what he did for that franchise for so long kind of being the one guy you had to stop and yet teams couldn't stop him um to me spoke to why he was a Hall of Famer and should have been a Hall of Famer before the other two guys who, who were up for the Hall of Fame with him. That, that's what sold me on this needs to be the guy. Uh, and he did have to wait a year. I understand that. But but he's in the Hall of Fame now, first Texan to go into the Hall of Fame. I think it was earned. Uh, I think it was great. Obviously, J.J. J. Watt will probably be this, the second one to go into the Hall of Fame. I think he's a first ballot no brain, no-brainer. Mm -hmm. hall of famer there should not even john should not even have to make a presentation on that he's one of those you stand up and you say ladies and gentlemen i present jj white you sit down and (laughs) people clap and it's a done deal i've been in there for two or three of those Um, there aren't many and i think he's one of those but but exciting for houston i encourage you to if you haven't been to the hall of fame to go to the hall of fame it's a great experience somebody was asking me yesterday like what 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 do you suggest going to? Because I've been to so many of them. I said, you got to go to the gold jacket dinner on Friday night mm. and then, obviously, the, the ceremony on, on Saturday. Uh, but to me, the gold jacket is even more impressive than, than Saturday. At, at when can I make get into speeches. that, though, Shereen? Absolutely. I can? can? Yes, you can. Okay, I'll sit yes, in the back somewhere. I'll be there. No, it's fantastic. I've seen
4: it on TV, and I swear to you, 100% of the time, every guy that walks up there, I'm balling. Yeah, yeah, you it's are. Good. I just get the yeah. tear. I get the tears stopped just before the next guy comes yeah. out, and I'm like, yeah. if it's there's awesome. family members up there, if there's former teammates, I'm like, oh, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. So I can imagine what it's like to see that in person.
0: Thanks yeah. so much for the visit. Can I book you for the owners meetings now?
3: Absolutely, I'm in. <laughs> the pressure while we're on here, the All pressure's in.
0: on. All right, Shereen, thanks a lot.
3: Thanks for having me. All right,
0: there's our visit with Shereen Williams coming up. Andrew Siciliano, NFL Network. Many other things happening on the program tonight. Stick around. It's Texans Radio. All right, moving right along here. Plenty of reports out there about the Houston Texans and Laramie Tunsil had knee surgery. That was reported. Other players wanting to come here. We don't know until we know. The league year does not begin for another week and a half, and it is going to be hot and heavy. In fact, a week from Monday is when the legal tampering thing begins and stuff will leak out. We'll be all over that here on this program. And Monday, Johnny Harris evaluates the entire combine, every workout, every second of footage will be dissected by Johnny the guru and Johnny and I are going to catch up with Andrew Siciliano we visited with him on media row radio row what is it Andrew Siciliano NFL Network how's it going Andrew? Uh, I'm doing well Mark I, it's
5: I don't know what I would call this now <laughs> I feel like it's with not the not way they role. drop this curtain here yeah. We're trying to paint a picture for radio, not yeah. very well. But like they used to have the bench press in this room. Like it just right. It feels different this year. Yeah, it feels we like we're ha- stuck in an airline hangar. Or yeah, no like
0: that. activity. We had fans at one yes. point. Later in yes. the week, they brought and they had the Lombardi Trophy in the mm. middle of the room. A fake one, probably. It, you know, effects There
5: are multiple Lombardis.
0: Yes. There Andrew, how are. long have you
5: been coming to the combine? Uh This. Sh- 12, 13 years, something I, like that. Because
4: I bring that question up because Mark and I were talking about this, that my first combine was over in Lucas Oil, mm-hmm. the West Club over in Lucas Oil. It took all of this and jammed everybody inside. Yep. And they took whatever NFL teams had a table, a radio table, outside was like eight or nine tables. And now you look and there's 54 <laughs> tables around this place, not all NFL teams. But from the time you've been going to the time now, it's hard to kind of const- – you can see the growth in this particular event where really nothing's going on other than guys running and lifting yeah
5: it's um fans have and this is good for all of us and good for the entire business um and i'm a fan as well we all are an insatiable insatiable appetite for information we all want the season to begin tomorrow (laughs) right (laughs) and this event is an example of that um it is. I think it's. I mean, it's a great made-for-TV event. The the, the workouts have now been moved to, to primetime, um, and and fans want to see guys run, jump, throw because you are selling hope, yep, and Good. you're selling yep. the future. And and honestly, it's great for them as well, obviously. Um, and yeah, it's an industry in and of itself. This event,
0: Andrew. What's the most fun thing? that you get to do in broadcasting, what is the one thing? I know you enjoy it all. Yeah. But if you have to pick one or two things, That's what do you enjoy the question. most? And I know you filled in on Brown's radio yeah. a little bit for our buddy Jim Donovan Yeah, and I was year. there week
5: 16, obviously yep. the Christmas Eve game. Sorry about that one for yeah. you guys. Well, it's, it turned
0: out okay. We yeah, it turned yet. out okay.
5: I think he got the revenge a couple of weeks later. Yeah. So, yeah.
4: wait, hold on. You were there for week 16, but I was you there. weren't there for the playoff game. Correct. But there's a certain math that needs to be mm-hmm. done and considered by Cleveland at that point.
5: Well, <laughs> I, I was just keeping the chair warm for yeah. a legend. Yep. yep. He oh, came back and was there when the Browns clinched it four days later on TNF against yep. the Jets. That's Jets. true. And, uh, and was there for the unfortunate outcome. Um, as I watched that game at home, and it was an annual reminder, alcohol is a depressant <laughs> as you watch football. Um, <laughs> and please use sparingly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the most fun? I had fun doing those games. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of fun doing that. I mean, I've d- we've done crazy, wacky stuff here. Like, um, I've been on stage multiple times here doing an official coin toss between two teams to determine draft right. position. We have we have aired that live on NFL Network here at the Combine where it's like me and John Gruden and John Lynch and Rod Woodson. I, we've done it twice, uh, once with um, – can't remember the other teams like the Eagles and the Colts. No, the Eagles yeah, and the, the Ravens. Yeah, the were involved. There. Yeah, right. yeah. Where we like you're flipping a coin live on mm-hmm. TV to determine who's picking where, um, and it kind of felt like the circus. Um, what is the most? I, I don't. I, you know what? I, oh, easy one. I love doing Red Zone for 18 years. I mean that, right. that job on Sunday um, was unlike any other job. Um, and our great crew, at Directv. Uh, I will give them all the credit in the world. They they kind of changed the face of sports television. And every. Every sport now has a show in which you jump around and whip around and go from game to game, and, and that was as, as fun and cool a job as I think I could ever possibly have.
4: Andrew, excuse me I, I, if, I, if I have this right, but I want to say that you grew up as a Browns fan. I did, yeah. So when you're calling the games, I mean, it's obviously easier to call a Browns game because you, you, you know, the fans listening want to feel your excitement, your passion. That's your team as well. Same for us. I mean, it's, uh, it's our team, and so people, I think, get that. But was it kind of hard in some sense to call the game as you're going through? Now, you had some successful games when you did it, but it was kind of hard, like, being a Browns fan but yet trying to stay kind of as even-keeled as you kind of need to to it, call the game? It, 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 it wasn't at first. Actually, I, I would almost say
5: I was as nervous as I've ever been. Like, as – but I knew it. Like, I didn't – like, I did a chart because you always do a board. But, like yeah. – I, I I didn't need to look down the (laughs) entire game, right? right? But I also wanted to get it right, you know, more than Mm -hmm. I've ever wanted to get anything right. My fandom, John, came out at the very end because they won. The first game I did was week six when they they beat the Niners, previously undefeated 49ers, when Jake Moody missed the kick. And um, when I listened back to the call, I, I, I lost it a bit, and the (laughs) fandom came out a little bit, but that said, being in that building that day, because they came in with P.J. Walker, they were starting their third quarterback already at that point. The Niners were undefeated. The Niners were this juggernaut. They weren't going to lose. They're not coming to Cleveland and losing this game, and that was maybe the first moment where I think collectively that fan base realized, okay, we got something here, even with P.J. Walker, and that building shook that day. Mm -hmm. Um, It shook, and that came out.
0: Andrew Siciliano joining us on the row here at the NFL Scouting Combine. What do you think are the two biggest stories here? Um, Caleb Williams and what the Bears are going to do at number one, clearly. Um, And then I think where the other quarterbacks go,
5: Mm -hmm. uh, I I think there is this idea that it could be one, two, three, but I think the two could be actually tied together. Like, for example, what if New England were to flip the Bears a two for Justin Fields? I'm just saying hypothetically. Okay. Right? And then New England sitting at three – could either trade out, right, for anyone who wants to come up and get another quarterback, or they could go wide receiver, mm. or they could go O line They go anywhere, and and that would shake up the top of the draft if one of those quarterbacks falls out of the top three. And then Arizona sitting pretty at four to trade out, or, or L.A., the Chargers, sitting pretty at five to trade out. Um, I, I think those two sto- – the quarterback story in general – um, and the fact that you're going to have only blue-chip positions really in the first round. Like if you tell me it's maybe two centers get in there, maybe yeah. Oregon and West Virginia get in there, but if you tell me it's going to be quarterback, wide receiver, tackle, edge, corner, those are the only five positions taken in the first round, i believe you. And there is those five positions are stacked, and those guys are all going to go. The, the premium big second contract positions are the guys that are going to go night number one.
4: The ones that intrigue me, because I think Brock Bowers is as good a talent we've had at tight end, but when you look at the money that gets paid for tight ends, right. it's do you make him a top five pick? Because I've seen a lot of people with the Chargers sitting yeah. next to us, they put the Chargers at top five, like, well, he gets to his fourth or fifth year, he's going to get more than what the franchise tag is. Correct. I mean, it's you can't bet the mathematically that doesn't even work, so – where does Brock Bowers go? Does Brock Bowers end up in the 18, 19, 20 range where we take a look mm-hmm. and think about Brock Bowers at that particular point? The guy throwing the ball to Brock Bowers if he doesn't end up in Houston is C.J. Stroud. Andrew, that was a big story last year. Bryce Young probably going to be number one, C.J. And everything that went with C.J., he ends up in Houston. He has this incredible football year. A, your thoughts on C.J., B, the national thought on C.J. going in versus what they ended up seeing last yeah. year. Yeah, uh, C.J.
5: is amazing. Like, I mean, he yeah. is – like, I have a nine-year-old nephew who obviously roots for the Browns. Um, you know kids these days, they root for players more than they, they root for teams. Right. Every little kid wants to be C.J. Stroud, right, and watch C.J. Stroud highlights. Um, the way he led that team, the way he led that locker room. I mean, I've asked a bunch of Texans during the season or, or, or you know, during the Super Bowl, when did you know, and you guys saw it firsthand, like you knew immediately, Right. Like, to have that ability to walk in and have everyone in the building respect your process, your attitude, your maturity, and then immediately, once you start to throw the football, you went, like, oh, wow, OK. That, that's different. And he is different. I still have high hopes for Bryce Young. I, I hope it, yep. it's going to happen. I think it will. Um, I, I don't know that he could ever, though, hit the bar that, right. that CJ put up there. I mean, the, the kid's amazing.
0: Set the bar high going into the sophomore yeah. season. Andrew Siciliano with us. You started in radio, right? I did, yeah. Did you fill in for Rome?
5: I did a lot, yeah. Yeah. When I was, so I, I started um, with, you were talking to Jeff Joniak back yeah. there, the voice of the Bears. Jeff hired me, my, my first real job out of school, hired me to be a reporter in Chicago. Jeff was not yet the voice of the of the Bears. Right. Um, but the, the station we were on, WMAQ Radio in Chicago, soon got the Bears, and um, Jeff, Didn't immediately do the games, but Jeff and I worked together. I did some sidelines. I was the reporter every day in the building. Jeff was the the pregame host, and that was my um, first real job and my introduction to the NFL. Then I moved to Chicago, I'm sorry, to Los Angeles in 2000 when Fox Sports Radio first started. And Jim Rome, to your point, Mark, was in our building as well. It was all a Clear Channel Premier Radio Mm -hmm. Network's um, operation. And one day Jim... Something happened, and he had to run home, some kind of emergency, and they said, can you do the show? And I ended up doing the show a lot consistently when, when Jim would step away. And
0: the show was the radio, the sports radio show it was, at that yeah. point. Um, and I am
5: forever grateful to both Jeff and Jim um, for for taking a shot on me, and, and thank God I didn't – I screwed up too badly.
0: Did you use a lot of the jungle <laughs> I
5: No, because, like, you, you don't – like you don't want to. That's Jim's thing, that's and it's like thing, I, yeah. I. It's it's like when you visit someone's house, right? right? It's like when you leave. Let's say you're staying at your buddy's house and they're out of town. It's like you're gonna make the bed and you're gonna make sure you you know <laughs> every, every, like you, you do the dishes. You just want to keep the house just yeah. as they. But well, you're not
0: making his favorite drink,
5: right? Like you <laughs> the just gradients. Like, you want to make sure that when he comes back to the house, everything mm-hmm. was in place. But Jim was amazing and still is amazing and uh, i was always very very happy to do this
0: and and you've been it's been great for you in your career because a lot of the tv you've done has been fun tv and it's been expanded formats it's not always two minutes and you're out right you've got shows where you can go a little bit
5: look the nfl network is great because um they give us a lot of leeway um it's not it's not always script, 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 go, 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 um, like when we did NFL Now for years mm-hmm. on the network in the middle of the afternoon. Um, it, it gave our reporters a place to empty the notebook and to, to have to talk stuff out unscripted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it, it's better for the fan because you're not just doing a 60-second report, wrapping around a sound soundbite and, and, you know. Now, in today's day and age, as you guys know, that's sometimes what people need to. and all That's all the time they have. Yep. Yep. D- like, they need yep. it fast and yep. faster. Um, you know, we, we live hold on our phones. And everything is on to the next one, on to the next one. Uh, but NFL Network has been great, giving us as much
4: time, usually, um, to, to unload. Yeah. Andrew, last, uh, last one from me. You mentioned earlier about being in the Super Bowl, talking to Texas players. Yeah. The Super Bowl was in Las Vegas, as a lot of people know. You were on site. What was it like first time in Vegas? Everybody knows what kind of city Vegas is and all that. They kind of live up to it for you. I mean, were you yeah. working too much to kind of experience it? What was it like in Vegas?
5: So, I think it's great. And Mark and I were talking off the air before. I, it's not a question of, of if but when Vegas will get another Super yeah, yeah. Bowl. Not not in two or three years because that's already set up. But they're going to get another one. Yeah. It's the perfect space. As You know, if you can get over the gambling thing, and we've already crossed out Rubicon, I think. Yeah. Um, with so much event space and so many hotel rooms and so many restaurants and, and s- everyone's condensed oh you got a meeting over there or you got to go meet uh, like you could just walk from hotel to right. hotel to hotel. Much like this. Yep. Perf- yep. India is perfect for the combine. Vegas laid out perfectly for the Super Bowl.
0: Andrew, thanks a lot for joining us. We appreciate it. Always good to see you both. There's Andrew Siciliano, NFL Network and former Jim Rome show fill-in host. When the Rome show was absolutely humongous, Rome is still around and doing well. Just signed a deal with another platform. Anyway. Enough about that. Let's get into some Texans opponents talk, which we've been doing here at the Combine, because this is sort of the annual league convention in addition to the Underwear Olympics, as Bill O'Brien used to call it. Jeff Joniak, voice of the Bears, is going to join us. They have the number one pick. What are they going to do with it? And they're coming to NRG Stadium this year. Let's rock. It's Texans All Access. Final installment on the program here. Like I told you before, the combine is sort of an NFL convention. So we do focus on Texans opponents for 2024 and the home slate at NRG stadium is awesome because you have the Baltimore Ravens coming in. You have the Detroit lions coming in. The Miami dolphins will be here. The Buffalo bills. We caught up with Sal Capaccio, their sideline reporter, plenty on them coming up on the program next week. And, In addition to that, the Chicago Bears, and they have the number one pick in the draft. So Jeff Joniak, this is one of my favorite people who does what I do, the voice of the Bears. He's going to visit with us and discuss that number one selection and a bunch of other things that we have on our mind collectively. Love seeing you, my friend. How's it going? Rock and roll, buddy. Rock <laughs> and roll. Good to see you guys. Uh, man, we, we we
6: really are fast friends, aren't we? Like We, we are. It, it's, a, it's a relationship that just picks up where it left off.
0: Well, you and I, I met love back in, I think we met in 04 when the Texans took on the Bears in the refrigerator game that. Was probably an average Bears December type game, but for the eh, Texans. you got to
6: put your big boy pants on.
0: It's in Texans lore as the coldest game played in franchise history. Yeah, so. you bring it up every time we speak. Yeah, I do. It left a mark. In typical Houstonian fashion. Remember that really cold day? You know, meanwhile, you guys. It's so funny when the Texans play a cold weather game. All the questions all week. What about right, cold right, weather? Even yes. if it's like forty degrees, you know. Really? Oh yeah, oh it's crazy.
6: Gosh. Well, my partner Tom Thayer, he gets real serious. There's no, this is no jacking around and no sense of humor going on, dude. We got, we got Tampa week two. I'm t- <laughs> t- man, I'm, I'm telling you, man, that, that game's dangerous. Yes. I, we, I I'm a sweater, Jeff. I'm a sweater. That's what Tom <laughs> says, and I'm he, a sweater. he, I went to school to be a meteorologist. And I, I failed calculus, so I didn't pursue, and I fell into this. And he is into the weather forecast more than I am, because I'm still an enthusiast of, of the weather. But he he just he equates wins and losses with hot weather
0: games. Wait, wait. You went to school to I be did. a meteorologist. And so from the time things. I was in
6: second grade, I wanted to be a meteorologist. So
0: you have to know calculus well to be a meteorologist? Uh, yeah.
6: Because that's just the beginning, then there's differential equations and all you know, all the stuff you guys took.
0: Yeah, right? of course. And passed. I, I, nope. mean, I know I, you're saying I, I, that no, in just but I did. Yeah, Andy, this guy I oh, did. taught
4: calculus. Yeah. You
0: did? Yeah where were you when I, I needed I, you?
4: you? You know what I was at Brown University and oh. I got a, oh. he's really Jeff smart. I, have a, I have a civil man. engineering degree and I have a masters in Are accounting. And I do this for a living. So oh yeah, I taught, when I when I got out of Brown I taught I taught uh, I taught calculus, taught all kinds of math and I coached football.
6: That's fantastic. I I mean, I I don't even know you anymore. I would have been there for you. (laughs) Well, let me tell you my quick story and bore our audience. But I I, I handpicked Iowa State. I I get on camp. I'm so excited. They get this weather office, and I'm looking at maps. And, you know, yeah, I I took advanced algebra my first. We were on quarters when I first started. I got a D. But I arrogantly went to Calc 101 (laughs) the next quarter. What am I doing?
4: F. Third
6: quarter. F. Retook it again. So. Then they went to semesters. Yeah. First semester, sophomore year, I'm taking it a third time. And I can't do story problems. So yeah. going into the final, I had to see the final was 20 story problems. I turned it in blank, went back to my dorm, got a garbage can, burned the book in the garbage can, <laughs> went to my physics exam, just <laughs> filled in the blanks, and I knew I was done. And my dad was furious that I, you know, you're not a st- Listen, I just, I cannot do story problems. Yeah. So and I literally th- have nightmares that yeah. I have one class left to graduate, and I skip the entire, and it's calculus, I, and I think I'm going to pass the final, and I think I'm not going to graduate. I have this dream
4: oh. often. Well, there's really? a former NFL coach who owes his degree to me because I tutored him through Econ 111, and we started at calculus. <laughs> we had to do calculus so we could get further along with Econ 111, and then we got that. And uh, ended up getting his degree because it was his third time taking that, and so Do we, a we name? got him through. We'll leave it. We'll, we'll leave. leave it there.
0: People we'll in Houston
4: know
6: it okay. starts <laughs> with a W. Yeah.
0: In- in yeah, other people, words, William yeah. ends with O'Brien. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> rhymes with Schmoe oh, Brian. So. Yeah. Very But, but he's – Ob- funny. O'Brien has talked about this yeah, on yeah. the air. So yeah, okay, we're not revealing okay. anything. That's no, fantastic. Jeff so, Jodiak, Voice of the Bears. Well, tell me. That is unbelievable. I, I, yeah, that's that's good that's, stuff. Uh, that's
6: further conversation off the air. Yeah. yeah well, you should have stuff. him on your podcast. Exactly. A exactly, exactly. Program.
0: exactly. But, Jeff, how did you go from – being a meteorologist wannabe yeah. to being a sports broadcaster at Voice well, of the Bears. Well,
6: I, I mean, I love sports, and honestly, when I was a kid growing up, I, I was—I had a tape recorder, and I was running around the house pretending I was all these announcers. But I never yeah. once thought I was going to do this for a career. And uh, I remember I went to the Iowa State Journalism Department, said I, I, and they looked at my transcript and said, what, <laughs> what makes you think you're going to be any better at this? And I said, you got to trust me. So, But... Uh, less than a week later, I'm on the student radio station breaking down the, the Dwight Clark touchdown catch in the NFC Championship game out of the man, out of the famous Montana throw that we mm-hmm. see year after year, and I'm like, God, this is cool, and then I, I, I tried to walk out of the baseball team my freshman year. I knew the b- baseball coach. Hey, can we call your game? So I sat behind home plate with my roommate, who's an, an- landscape architect, had no interest in that, and... I'm calling balls and strikes. <laughs> and I just fell in love with the play-by-play part. And, yeah, the rest is history, man. That's a wild start, but here we are.
4: Absolutely. That's an incredible start. So you just did the games, and then that, you got the bug, and away you go.
6: Yeah, I fell in what love your, with
4: play-by-play. I really did. What was your first paid
6: play-by-play job? Uh, I did not have many. I mean, I'm a unique story here now. It's going to make a lot of play-by-play guys mad because I had no experience outside of college. Yeah. And uh, I did some color analyst work for Loyola basketball in town, but I didn't get paid. And then I filled in for a Northern Illinois football game against Central Michigan in 2000. And uh, the game was like 56. Justin McCarrens, you remember Justin McCarrens? Yeah. He had a couple, he had four touchdowns, I think. And uh, Michael Turner ran yep. for like three-something for NIU and, I remember the first call of the game because it was a late call because the play-by-play guy, he had a medical emergency, and it was a ten thirty game in the MAC, oh, and wow. it was freezing, and I never met the color guy, and I, I don't know what I'm doing, and I, I, I didn't have the roster memorized. And hand to God, the first touchdown, I said, and it's on tape, and I have it somewhere. Some guy just caught a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, that's uh, oh yeah. And I, uh, yeah and the so, Bears said,
0: "That's our guy. <laughs> we want that's him." No, awesome. I, I mean
6: it's 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 not like This is uh, this is a miracle. It is, it's but a that's in two
0: thousand. You get the Bears' job in what one? Correct. <laughs>
6: Something happened. No, but but I, I did I did a lot. You is know, this the I,
0: Chicago way?
6: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I really did a lot of practice games. Yep. I in fact, I did an entire season before I did the Bears, and I, I I'd go and I was going to U of I and practicing and XFL. I was in the actual booth at Soldier Field, okay. Practicing XFL. Well, that's how you do it. And 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 I had done a lot of other stuff on the side, mm-hmm. but you know nothing nothing that anybody would write home about from that aspect. So I am I am a rare a rare uh, hire here. For yeah, sure. but I Bears, think
0: put a lot of faith in me. You just pointed something out, though, that's important, and it's a little inside broadcasting, but you're not young broadcasters, you're not going to get enough reps to improve By doing the games on air, you have to do those things and practice either off TV, preferably at a stadium, high school, sit off in a corner, and make up names if you have to. Did all that, too. Yeah. There are a lot of Jones and Smiths. Yeah, Jones and Smiths. You know, that I'm making up. My my big one is McGillicuddy. Oh, my gosh. But whatever. I was just advising somebody somebody I know is about to do some basketball and – I said, you got to – and they've never done basketball or much play-by-play. I said, you got to do it off TV. You know, you have now, like the next month, to just hammer that off the TV or try to get into an arena. But, you know, now it's high school playoffs or whatever is going on in March Madness. But watch TV and just start calling it. It's a motor skill, and that's our broadcasting lesson for today. Yeah, it
6: is definitely a, a skill that you have to shine up every single day and it's a different language you speak out of nowhere, all of a sudden you know you're you're it's and it's immediate it's there's no mm-hmm. time to to delay, and you just got to react to it and it's uh listen, man, we have some great play by play guys in Chicago in all sports, but nationwide, I'm just so in awe of all of the thirty one other NFL play by play guys because it's quite the fraternity we're in. We're very fortunate, mm-hmm. lucky, I'm very lucky. And uh, it's been a, a crazy ride for these two
4: decades plus, man. Love so, it. So, Jeff, when you are calling the games this fall, one will include the Houston Texans at NRG Stadium. Looking forward to that. Um, we will not open the roof. So, you know, Tom Temperature be okay. Won't okay. Temperature will yeah, be okay. okay. Thank you. Controlled 72 <laughs> degrees. What name are you calling under center yeah. in 2024? I'm sure you've been asked this. I'm sure you saw thought about XM this. If asked me, I, w- I refuse the answer. Yeah. <laughs> but just, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'll listen. ask it this way. Yeah. Is it more about what Justin hasn't been able to do or what they think Caleb Williams can do? I think uh, it's probably a
6: combination of both, and I'm not ruling out the possibility of them both being there. And so I'm not just giving away Justin Fields. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, there, there's a lot of value there. He did improve. He's a dynamic runner, as we know. We can make a case that he's the best in the NFL, regardless of position at that. you know, And he's a, he's a, he's a thick lower half guy strong breaks tackles just uh, that's why he's loved in Chicago I think because of his excitement level yeah. and um, he's the most exciting player we've had since Devin okay you know, in that regard uh, that's for sure but you know you get uh, only so many chances to have the number one pick and you're not a team that's in know oh and 17 you know you got a lot of improvement you, you re-im- re-im- re-improve the defense uh, with some really smart moves, to trade for Montez Sweat. You've got some pieces on the offense. You drafted a tackle last year, so there's a lot headed in the right direction and that momentum. And you know, by everybody I've spoken to here to in the last three days, this quarterback Caleb Williams and some of the others. But Caleb is the the, the belief is he's going to be a generational guy. Much mm-hmm. like uh, you guys experienced this year, uh, I, I think uh, it, it surprised a lot of people. But maybe they, it shouldn't have surprised a lot of people how well he played. And you know, you just can't you can't look the other way at that. And you really, I just, I know he's doing. I, when I say he, Ryan Poles is really drilling down deep and making sure he looks at every possible scenario, including all the other quarterbacks. Nice. And just you can't just rush into because somebody said, hey, this guy's going to be the number one pick because he is potentially a generation, what what kind of guy is he, yep. you know, what kind of guy is he? Are you going to, is the chemistry going to be good? All those things as you guys know.
0: Yep. Yep. Jeff Joniak voice of the bears with us. You have the number one pick, but you have a lot of other picks too. So what about, and you being at the combine, Jeff is exciting. Cause when yeah. a quarterback is in the air possibly, yeah. Yeah. and we were in that position last year, there's a lot of focus on it. Everyone really locks in on the quarterback discussion. But what are the, some of the other things that you're looking out for for the Bears to become a better yeah.
6: team? well, we also have the ninth pick. And, then, you know, yeah. you could get really creative with a lot of trade downs and really collect a, a bushel full of picks this year mm-hmm. if you so choose. But, you know, I, it, I always feel like don't pass on, you know, the, the greatness of a talent, you know, yeah. especially in the top ten. Take a chance. You, you do have to take some chances. Uh, but there's a lot of – ways they could go. I'm big on the line of scrimmage still, both sides of the ball. The Bears definitely need another edge rusher to pair with Montez Sweat. They have to determine in this particular scheme uh, that three technique defensive tackle which is the engine of this this, uh, defense. And, um, you know, they drafted Javon Dexter Sr. and he came on as the year went on and he, he is long and he can be very very dangerous as he gets stronger and so forth. But is he the guy to make to make that transition into that position. Uh, Safety is going to be a question uh, as well on the back end after Daddy Jackson's departure. And then another receiver, tight end, uh, running back. As a, you know, th- there's, a, there's a lot of ways they could go, but I you can't stray too far from the line of scrimmage. There's no, only so many of those big guys on the
0: planet. We have a lot more in that visit with Jeff Joniak, and I have to put it on a VanderPod or something soon enough. And this whole show will be in podcast form soon enough on HoustonTexans.com, Spotify, iTunes, wherever else you get your podcasts. We are there. Even TuneIn. Does anybody go to that? Maybe. I don't know. But check it out later if you missed any of the show. And we'll be back Monday to evaluate all the combine numbers, all the Texan stories that break. It's all coming up in a week from Monday legal tampering or whatever you want to call it the pre-league year negotiating period where a lot of stuff leaks breaks and it's fun to follow we'll be following it live coming up area 45 sean bajani patrick creighton stay tuned for this program they will go over everything that went down today it's coming up have a great weekend go texans